This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Oh, baby. What a week. What a week. Oh, this has just been it's been it's been something else, but we should start with the the some of the sadder news that we have. Clyde Edwards Hilaire, MCL sprain. I don't love this. Okay. I'm not invested in Clyde Edwards Hilaire anywhere. You all know that. I you get it. But I, I didn't want it to end this way. I didn't want him going out this way. I wanted him to be healthy and just not perform at Jonathan Taylor's level. Because we had the greatest debate of all time through across 10 shows last year. Jonathan Taylor versus Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. But even when he's been playing, he hasn't been that productive. So now my worry is with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire that my first observation, and I thought that was the most powerful, is that I don't think Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is ever going to get his dynasty value back after this. I think it's not over for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, but he's trending in a very, 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 very negative direction, especially in Dynasty. In redraft, you can write it off, right? Guys get injured all the time. But if you have Akers, if you have J.K. Dobbins, you have ETN, you see the light at the end of the tunnel. Like, they're going to spend the entire season, maybe not, maybe not Akers, but they're going to spend the entire season out, right? And then they're going to come back Fresh and healthy. We know J.K. Dobbins. He has the least uncertainty because there's some speculation that the foot injury with ETN could be something that affects his efficiency and productivity next year. Same thing with Cam Akers and the Achilles, where we've seen enough of these these ACL tears with J.K. Dobbins. Like, okay, he's going to be fine next year. Most likely, most of these players are coming back on schedule, even Barkley, before this this latest injury, he had come back from a from a, a multi ligament tear of his knee. So we can essentially put these players like Dobbins, like Akers, like ETN, put them on ice. Say, hey, they just lost half their value because a lot of their values in dynasties tied up into what they're going to provide this year. But anyone that's in- involved in a productive struggle should be going out and trying to get these guys. With Edward Solaire, he's not going to be out for the year, but he this is going to cost him weeks. And he's probably not going to be the same player when he returns. He's going to be more likely to re-injure himself. And it's now being revealed that the Chiefs reached on a player that has a profile that's more similar to a Devin Singletary than a Jonathan Taylor or a J.K. Dobbins or a Cam Akers. So my worry is that the Edwards Hilaire dynasty value is never going to come back. That it's going to drop down around 100 now, well below the Acres and the Dobbins and the ETNs, and it's never going to come back. So that was my first, my first observation after the celebration was Edward Solaire might be over. So that's that's actually sad. And then you look up, and then other other running backs like AJ Dillon, 
Who would you rather have in Dynasty? Would you rather have A.J. Dillon, who just had a four for four for 50 yards in the passing game? So A.J. Dillon not only had a 100% catch rate, put up 50 yards, but also scored a touchdown. He's been very involved, more involved than those with Aaron Jones would like. And you have to look up and go, like, who would I rather have in Dynasty? Would you rather have A.J. Dillon or would you rather have Clyde Edwards-Solaire? As it turns out, Dillon, I think, is a better running back. Dillon has the size. Dillon has athleticism. And when you see four for four in the passing game for a player that we thought was going to be a zero in the passing game, like was essentially, you know, Derrick Henry, best case scenario, right? If you're A.J. Dillon now in limited snaps, sharing a backfield with Aaron Jones, he's putting up four for four for 50 yards in the passing game. So that to me was huge. That was like when I'm looking at these games and I'm seeing the, the outcomes, the advanced metrics and, and just what's in the box score, like that one was like, boom, right? Like the, the Edward Solaire was like, oh God, like I feel for him and I didn't want it to go this way. With Dylan, I'm like, whoa, this is, this is incredible. With Tyreek Hill, I want to remind you that we love volatility. One of the reasons why wide receivers are so fun is that they can go out and win you a week with a huge boom performance. That's why Tyreek Hill in particular is fun and why you shouldn't be discounting him. Yes, he's dudded out technically in three out of the last five weeks he's dudded out. True. All true. And? And what? And right? he also won you those weeks that he did go nuclear. So what? What you could still win a week where a wide receiver puts up, you know, four for 50, nine points. Okay. You can win with your other players. It's fine. It's totally fine. What When he duds out, that does so much less damage than the benefit of him going nuclear and actually winning you a week. So he still won you. You're still 2-0, and essentially, with Tyree Kill, where he hasn't devastated you when he's dudded out. He hasn't devastated your lineup. But in the weeks that he actually hit, he hit in such a way that it was very difficult for your opponents to keep up. So I just want to, not that anyone's giving up on Tyreek Hill, but some might look up and say, hey, there, he's, he's dudding out most weeks. Like more often than, he's, than not, he's dudding out. And I would say, eh, eh, that's, 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 the, that's the game, man. He just happened to have a more consistent 2020 than he probably should have based on his role in that offense and his skill set. He's a boom bust receiver in the best possible way. Keep the faith in this guy. And remember that Dave Gettleman drafted Kadarius Toney to be his Tyreek Hill. And it's just, it's interesting how, you know, Josh Larkey has Kadarius Toney takes. So does uh, Cody. So, and, and we're not sharing notes. We're, we're, we, we all are coming to the same conclusions. We're looking at the same data, the same profile, and going, oh, we got to play Kadarius Toney this week, right? We got to, we got to get, we got to get Kadarius Toney in there. And then sure enough, boom. He goes off, and it, it was disappointing that you know Galladay was ruled out because we were going to play Tony regardless of Galladay's status. And it was just amazing how it doesn't there there's there's no communication between the three of us on Tony. It's just that I looked up and oh Josh loves Tony, oh Cody loves Tony, I love Tony, and it's all because we share a similar affinity to particular usage metrics in particular 
And the usage metrics last week were really encouraging with the air yards and the target share. He has incredible speed. He did not have an impressive prospect profile. But the reason I'm talking about Tony right after I talked about Tyree Kill is because Tyree Kill was the same way. Tyree Kill was not an impressive prospect. But the blazing speed is that difference maker that you just have to draft. I remember it feeling gross in rookie drafts in particular. End of the second round, taking Tony. And ended up starting him in the Scott Fishbowl, starting him in some dynasty leagues. He has speed, and he's a first-round pick, and that's all I care about. Okay, that's all I care about. And then after three weeks, you're like, ah, it's a bust. And then injuries happen, and he's thrust into a starting role, and, and he's actually delivering, right? Because plenty of other wide receivers get thrust into a starting role, and they don't deliver. Tony is, and it's exciting. It's exciting. And it's the difference between real football and fantasy football. It was a terrible pick. Just like Barkley was a terrible pick in the NFL draft, it was a strong pick, late in best ball, and in dynasty rookie drafts, strong pick, bad pick by the Giants in real life, good pick late in the second round in dynasty rookie drafts in particular. A.B. and Leonard Fournette, what can you say, right? I said, go get both of them, create a package where you can acquire both of them, and you're welcome. A.B., over 30 points, where the air yards actually were converted into touchdowns. Like he got the two touchdowns that he didn't get last week because, oh, the sun or the, the lights were on the ball, right? And the, 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 the raindrops were reflecting, uh, the, the, the lights were reflecting off the raindrops and he couldn't catch the ball. No problem this week, right? And that's just football. That's just sometimes because the ball's wet and it's not deflated enough, it just slips through your fingers. Other times, it gets it's in the lights and, and, and then you know two would-be touchdowns or not touchdowns and then in week five they become touchdowns that's why you're buying the targets and you're buying the air yards and with Leonard Fournette you're just buying that role he's still more explosive than I think most people believe regardless I don't even care he has the role we want where he's catching the passes out of the backfield he's getting the majority of the carries he's getting the red zone touches the green zone touches let's go let's go and let's go Mac Jones Mac Jones did it again. He outproduced Zach Wilson. So we'll just keep a running counter of all the times Mac Jones outplays Zach Wilson and zero rushing touchdowns for Sam Darnold. So we had a dud week for Darnold and a dud week for Wilson, right? The, the, the universe is coming into a back into a balance. But in previous weeks, remember, Darnold led the league in rushing touchdowns by quarterbacks. No rushing touchdowns for Darnold. So that was an observation. That was just a fun observation. Darnold, no rushing touchdowns. Ezekiel Elliott, who we liked in the early and mid first round, tracking to be a top three fantasy running back. And Austin Eckler, tracking to be a top three fantasy running back. Derrick Henry also, but we're not going to talk about Derrick Henry, right? <laughs> three touchdowns. We're not talking about Derrick Henry. Focus on Zeke and Eckler were good process plays in the first round, and they're, they're continuing to, they're separating themselves. Jalen Hurts had a bad game. Again, the difference between real football and fantasy football. Eagles fans are like, oh, Hurts, damn it. You still won, but you look bad. It was just an ugly win, right? They're still not sold on him. Where fantasy gamers are like, this is why we love Konami quarterbacks, right? This is why. This. Because they could have a bad game throwing the ball, nothing happens in the air, and still two rushing touchdowns. This is, this, this. Like, if I think, why are Konami quarterbacks, Konami code quarterbacks, so sought after in fantasy football? I would show them this Eagles box score. Khalil Herbert, 
right? Khalil Herbert was the sneaky ad on the waiver wire. I got him in the Scott Fish Bowl for zero. And, and he's sharing the, the backfield touches with Damian Williams. He actually has more rushing yards than Damian Williams. And uh, it's very possible. We'll see if there, there may be Damian Williams picked up an injury. I haven't seen one, but maybe, maybe he did. Khalil Herbert, standalone value. Just standalone value. Khalil Herbert, standalone value. It's a thing. He's going to be the big waiver wire ad this week. Watch for it. J.D. McKissick, negative rushing yards and fewer receiving yards than Antonio Gibson. Now, he had the two touchdowns, but he didn't, didn't go nuclear, right? Like, Gibson didn't go crazy. He wasn't commanding all these, these targets in the passing game. So it wasn't, like, in people's faces that the role is just tilting, right? The role is tilting. Like, I asked Josh, like, why isn't J.D. McKissick projecting better? And he's like, because he's not getting any touches. He just happened to score a bunch of touchdowns, scored a couple touchdowns, unlimited touches. That's going to happen. He's still not going to project well at all. Sure enough, the usage on J.D. McKissick is underwhelming. They're winding him down, and they're winding up Antonio Gibson. He's going to continue to be our number one like upside play every week. Two more touchdowns. But the underlying usage, the snaps, the routes run, the targets, it, it's, it's even more encouraging for Antonio Gibson because we know he has the receiving skills. James Robinson, 150-1. and one. I was at a bar mitzvah on Sunday morning, had to leave early, we wrapped up our starter stream show early, and I was talking to someone who was in the middle of trade talks, and they're like, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get James Robinson. I'm like, oh, can you get him before the game starts? He's like, I think so. And I was like, okay, we well, want him for this game against, against the Titans. And he's like, oh, I, I'm give up Keenan Allen. And I was like, well, you do have Tyreek Hill. It's fine. So I, it was fun. Like, while I hate giving advice on the starter stream show, actually at the bat mitzvah giving someone advice saying like yeah you do need a running back and 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 it was perfect because his rationale for not doing it or, or reconsidering it or 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 you know vacillating was that James Robinson's on a bad team and he's not going to score a lot of touchdowns and I said listen it's not about the touchdowns right he may not catch a pass in this particular game and score a touchdown with over 150 yards the next game, gets six targets, catches them all. That's just the life of a bell cow back. It doesn't matter what the game situation is. It doesn't much matter. I don't care. I really don't care. If you're a bell cow back, if you're down big, you're going to catch a bunch of passes. You're going to catch a bunch of dump offs. If you do are happen to be winning a game at that rare occasion, then you're going to score more touchdowns. And you can still score touchdowns if your team loses. You're just not going to score quite as many. But the bottom line is... If your team is losing a lot and you're in passing situations, some of those passes will go to the running back, and those are so much more valuable than carries. That's what matters. So I had this whole conversation about game script and weighted opportunities and why it's actually the targets that James Robinson's been getting is the reason to go trade for him, even essentially selling low on Keenan Allen because I'm happy to buy high on James Robinson given his role as a true bell cow doesn't matter that it's one of the worst teams in football. Jalen Waddle, two for 31. Just atrocious. Like it just it just shows once again why you can't invest a top 10 pick in a field stretcher or a situational player in college. I don't understand with Penny Sewell on the board to trade this unforced error by the Dolphins will continue to haunt them. 
and I'll continue to be flabbergasted that they traded up for Jalen Waddle, especially especially when like Jamar Chase would have been the reason to trade up, right? Jamar Chase has already passed DK Metcalf on the dynasty rankings, and I'll break that news right now. We're gonna break the news. He's going to pass A.J. Brown in the Dynasty rankings this week. It's on. It's so on. It's just on. It's on for Jamar Chase because here's why we love Jamar Chase. Unlike Juju Smith-Schuster and others, of uh, you know, breakout wide receivers of the past that broke out at a young age and then just uh, proceeded to disappoint thereafter, well, in this particular case, Jamar Chase is not on the highest volume offense in the league, which is where Juju was operating in 2018 in Pittsburgh. This is a low-volume offense. The fact that he's delivering in a low-volume offense is the reason why we're more encouraged by Jamar. Better overall profile, better draft capital. Like He's just a different player, a totally different player. And the next player that he might pass is C.D. Lamb, right? So Jamar Chase entering the top three because he's producing even though the Bengals have not been running a lot of plays. Once again, Joe Burrow didn't throw for more than 300 yards, stayed under 300 yards as as projected. Well, if you're producing as a rookie, as a young rookie in that environment, oh, it, it's so good. It's just so good. And CeeDee Lamb is next, right? So he's number three. He has to pass CeeDee Lamb and Justin Jefferson, his teammate at LSU, to become the number one dynasty wide receiver. And I wouldn't put it past him. I wouldn't put it past him. Maybe not this year. But if he's good enough, then it could happen this year. Jamar Chase, wide receiver one in Dynasty. Marquez Callaway is a sell high. Two touchdowns on just four catches. Sell the touchdowns if possible. Mostly this is a Dynasty conversation because it's not like you're going to get a lot for Marquez Callaway with Michael Thomas coming back in a seasonal league. But he is young and he does have size and he is making plays. So it is possible to get something for him in Dynasty. With Michael Thomas about to return and the volume still low in New Orleans this week, Winston happened to get the touchdowns. I would put Marquez Callaway on the block just, just to see. Just to see. I have him in a bunch of leagues. I'm happy to put him on the block. If he doesn't generate generous offers, just, just take him off the block, whatever. But I think I would put feelers out. Let's see if anyone's interested in Marquez Callaway. Kenyon Drake, a total dud. The Raiders are who we thought they were. And... Drake is just the, 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 just the exemplary signing of a team that doesn't focus on the right details, and they're getting nothing from a running back they spent more than $10 million on. That's cap space they could have spent on anybody else. Just, just remember that. And on the subject of breakout receivers, Amon Ross St. Brown is getting the targets. 75 more targets in Week 5 than the next receiver on that target totem pole. It's happening for Amon Ross St. Brown. He's establishing alpha status, and there's no one else to throw the ball to in that wide receiver room. He's dominating that wide receiver room, but he's not getting the touchdowns. He hasn't had the 100-yard the week, so there's still time to get him. He's going to be one of our top ads on the waiver wire at wide receiver this week. Alexander Madison chalk week happened. Unfortunately, unfortunately, Dalvin Cook was ruled out prior to the game. I so wish Dalvin Cook had just tried to play and then removed himself in the first quarter, as we hoped. Because I said, play him no matter what. If he's chalk, play him. If, if Cook is playing, play him. 
You play Madison at this price point. You play him no matter what. You're even more excited to play him if Cook doesn't play. But even in, in the face of 50% ownership, you just play him. And you get your ownership elsewhere. You get your low-owned players elsewhere, like Justin Herbert, right? Justin Herbert, right? Josh Larkey takes down a tournament with tens of thousands with Justin Herbert, right? Ran that thing through the optimizer, boom, Justin Herbert, pow. It's because Justin Herbert was the low-owned balance to Alexander Madison, right? How do you... How do you lower the ownership of your lineup overall? Well, one of the ways last week was to play Herbert because Herbert is defense-proof. The elite quarterbacks are defense-proof. So you can't judge defenses based on how they do against the elite quarterbacks. Like you couldn't, If you had judged the Dallas defense against how they did against Tom Brady in Week 1, you would have missed the forest for the trees. Like he, They actually gave Brady a hard time it just didn't show up in the box score what a hard time they gave him because Brady's so good. Cleveland has one of the best defenses, but it doesn't matter against the elite quarterbacks. Defenses matter when they're facing the lesser talents, especially at the quarterback position. But once you put a Herbert or a Brady out there, then the defense stops mattering. It just doesn't matter at that point. It just doesn't. So that's why fading Herbert because of the Browns defense was bad process and Herbert was our play of the week. And we, we, we said, oh, we're dutting out in three of the four weeks. We're going to trust the process. We're going to trust Herbert. And then Herbert stacks fucking smashed, man. And Mike Williams is the alpha there. That's it. That's it. That's, that was part of the case for trading at this bat mitzvah, trading Keenan Allen for James Robinson. I said, well, we're not sure Keenan Allen's the alpha anymore. When you look at target share and air yard share, Mike Williams has been awesome, and he was awesome again. So the, the Williams-Herbert stacks for the win this week. Congratulations, everybody. <laughs> Money-making week with those stacks. And Kyle Pitts, too, right? Go back to Kyle Pitts. That was the advice. Go back to Kyle Pitts. He's this year's Darren Waller, where last year, see, Darren Waller, he was just grinding along, had, had the big target share, the big air yard share, but he wasn't delivering the splashy fantasy points until later in the season. That's just what happens. Like Kyle Pitts truly is a unicorn tight end at age 21, a rookie, and just to do what he did before last week, he was a unicorn, right? Just to go out there and command all these air yards and this target share made him a unicorn that in and of itself. Then he puts it together and goes nine for 119 and a touchdown, then it's like, okay, all right, this was destiny. This was going to happen. If you're putting up the target share and the air yard share, eventually this will happen, right? He's, an, he's, he's essentially their alpha receiver. It's possible that he's just their alpha. And when, when, when uh, Calvin Ridley comes back, that his, the alpha chair is no longer available. That, that maybe it never was. Maybe, maybe, maybe all along. Calvin Ridley was a fake alpha and it was Julio Jones. And now Kyle Pitts is the new Julio Jones in Atlanta. 